You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply level of physicality there um, it seems to be um, I think back to the games in Minnesota you know it's back and forth uh, you know all the way through the end of the game and uh, you know hoping that our, our group's prepared feels like they can go out there play fast um, feel like they can go execute but we know uh, you know there's a good chance that this game is going to come down to the very end welcome back to BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM with the Joes and Aaron Hawksworth on the BetQL Network Welcome back. BetQL Daily right here on the BetQL Network. Joe O, Joe G, and Hawksworth with you on a Wednesday, one day away from the start of the NFL season. The voice there of Kevin O'Connell, new head coach of the Minnesota Vikings. That game, fascinating. Green Bay and Minnesota coming up week one. We'll get to that and a whole lot more right now. John Daigle of 4 for 4 and BetSports joins us on the guest line to talk about week one. Matchups he likes, players he likes whether it be in the prop world or the fantasy world. John, welcome back to the show. Uh, let's start with tomorrow night. Uh, it's a great matchup with the Rams and the Bills. The Rams are two-and-a-half-point home underdog against Buffalo. When you look at the matchup here, one thing I, I keep coming back to as I try to figure out what side to be on is it feels like the Rams are going to have an advantage over those Bills corners. You know, Noah, Tredavious White, rookies on both sides. What do you think about the matchup tomorrow night? Do you like the Rams, Cup, and, and Allen Robinson to put up some points and, uh, and some big props tomorrow night. I do, and it's going to be interesting because it's a matchup of a lot of question marks. I, I think the matchup is going to be explosive, but we need to see about Stafford's elbow injury. We need to see about how Stafford can perform after he had an unsustainable career-high touchdown rate. And then, of course, the Bills, although we trust their youthful receivers – uh, just to instill new players in a full-time role without Brian Dable. It's just going to be uh, really, really interesting. So I'm looking forward to the matchup. And, yeah, like you, I, I think the Rams and Allen Robinson in particular can have success. John, uh, the biggest story thus far, I'd say, for most people just hopping into the betting world is, wow, look at all these home underdogs that we have. But those those of us that hone in on this, what we also understand is home field doesn't mean what it once was. That at a lot of stadiums, we're talking about one, and the pandemic year it was really hard to figure out. It ended up being zero. But in the old days, we always said it was three, but we understand that it's nowhere near that. Um, do, do you look at this storyline for week number one? Wow, there are 10 home underdogs. Do you look at that as a big deal, or is it just the NFL trying to stir up some chaos where they put a lot of the better teams on the road? I think it's somewhat a big deal. Uh, but as always for week one, I think we're just trying to get ahead of our priors. 
Uh, and then mostly if they're not right, uh, maybe adjust a little bit, but we're still sticking to all the research we've done early on in the off season. And so maybe a little bit of a big deal, but I do think getting the hooks, especially wherever we can get three and a half, uh, wherever we can get six and a half, seven and a half. Uh, those are the numbers I'm looking at for home dogs in particular for week one. And it also, it's also odd that it's a lot of home dogs in first division, first time divisional matchups to open the year. Mm-hmm. I think that's what really stands out to me. John, I just wanted to circle back. You mentioned Allen Robinson could have a big game. Would you look at any props um, for him? Um, what what would you have your eye on? Yeah, and I'm not sure where it's gone to since, but I do know uh, at least 24, 48 hours ago that I was high on Allen Robinson over 57, 57 and a half yards, depending what is out there at books right now. Uh, and that's because I'm literally like the Rams, like Les Snead. I'm not worried about his performance last year whatsoever. They already proved as much in giving him $15 million annually. Uh, we know from his usage last year a, a four-year low with the Bears actually in fly and nine routes. So they didn't use him as a deep threat either. Um, but most importantly that the Rams now, we, we also know out of camp that they are very, very high on Allen Robinson. Um, they, they think he's someone who can legitimately just take over the same role that Odell Beckham had in the second half of last year with seven in, end zone targets and just be pounded targets uh, inside the red zone in particular as a player who can soak up coverage away from Cooper Cup and just make defenses pay. And so, yes, I, I'm very high on Allen Robinson immediately in week one for season-long props as well. John, I'm always interested in when there's a running back tandem on a team and we go to the props market and try to figure out which guy's going to get the ball more or where props to be on, whether it be receiving yards, rushing yards, touchdowns. Two teams I think are really interesting. I'm curious your perspective on how you think it'll shake out. One, the Packers. I like both their guys, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. I feel like Dillon might be maybe make that a 50-50 split at some point. And then the Broncos. Do you think it's Javante Williams' time to be the guy there more than just the split with Melvin Gordon. Packers, Broncos, how do you see those backfields working out in terms of sharing the ball? We know that Aaron Jones has averaged increased rates across the board as a pure receiver. Uh, you can argue Aaron Jones is also the team's best receiver whenever Devontae Adams has not played in recent years. Uh, but at that same time, I am curious, like you, to see how their usage shakes out because – Whenever Aaron Jones returned in week 12 from his knee injury, um, A.J. Dillon actually outtouched him inside the 10-yard line and red zone from that point forward. And so I'm curious if it was the injury narrative that they were limiting him, or was that a changing of the guard? Was it actually them wanting to use a bigger body back on the goal line more frequently? Because if so, uh, especially for fantasy and for season-long touchdown props, uh, A.J. Dillon would then – be under the market and we should be much higher on him honestly and then for the broncos it is curious because unlike a lot of stubborn coaches who play veterans just for the sake of it melvin gordon actually was a good player if you look at all of the pro football focuses metrics he never really played himself off the field there was that one opportunity late in the year where he had two fumbles uh, before they hit their bye, that maybe Javante Williams would take over. But then, of course, Williams didn't because, again, Melvin Gordon is uh, maybe not an elite, but a solid pass protector, uh, solid hand still as well, and solid goal line back. And so 
I still don't foresee, at least in the first month, Javante Williams taking over from Melvin Gordon. I still see it as a 60-40, 55-45 in favor of Javante Williams. But, of course, like I also think that if Williams ever did receive that role, he could explode. Like For fantasy, for instance, he had one game last year where Melvin Gordon wasn't available, and Javante Williams literally finishes the overall RB1 for fantasy in that week. And so the opportunity, like if it was there, would be great. But I, I, to answer your question, no. Like Especially in the first month, two months, I don't think so. I think it's a split in Denver. With John Dago, 4 for 4 Football and Betsperts here on BetQL Daily. And John, recently, 444.com, you wrote about some uh, targets and fates for the upcoming season for fantasy football. And there, there are some people that are waiting until the last minute. They're going to have their draft tonight, last free night, without football season starting tomorrow. Uh, can you go over some of your uh, targets and fades for this season? I think an easy one that is behind on ADP in most home leagues right now is Isaiah McKenzie, who we're going to see play on Thursday night. It was questionable for a little bit, but he's already gotten in some full practices, so we're not worried about his availability. And everyone thinks he's, in home leagues anyways, thinks he's splitting slot reps or just has disappeared uh, with Jameson Crowder, but that's not the case at all. Like, we saw them literally treat him as a starter throughout the preseason. If you look at their first preseason game, the Bills, they healthy scratched Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, Gabriel Davis, Dawson Knox, and Isaiah McKenzie. And then also in the second preseason game, Isaiah McKenzie played exclusively as a slot receiver, and when Stephon Diggs took a couple snaps as a breather, Isaiah McKenzie actually went to the outside in two wide receiver sets as well. So we're talking about the locked-in number three wide receiver, on a Josh Allen-led team who also, in two games without Cole Beasley last uh, last year, averaged 10.5 targets. So that's a player I definitely want to be at least two rounds higher on. I think he's a solid pick in 10th or 11th round, and that's, again, a couple rounds before your league will even try to snipe him. And then another cheat code, I still think that while your league mates draft running backs in the sixth round, for instance, getting either Kyler Murray or Jalen Hurts is the way to win fantasy football this year because we are not taking, even if I'm higher on, let's say, Chase Edmonds, right? Uh, I don't think Chase Edmonds still has top 10 potential as an RB. And so it doesn't really make sense for me to kick the can on an RB2 whenever a player like Kyler Murray or Jalen Hurts, who has overall top ranking at their position and range of outcomes in the sixth round, grabbing an RB2 over them, is, is almost criminal. It makes zero sense to me. So that's the way I'm handling drafts, uh, either starting RB, RB, or wide receiver running back. But whatever the case, I will stray for that potentially league-winning quarterback in the sixth round and then go from there while my league mates still try to draft the running backs in that range that genuinely don't deserve to go there anyhow. Since you mentioned Kyler Murray, um, Chiefs at Cardinals, are there any props that you would be looking for in this matchup? I'm curious to see where Rondell Moore settles at because even on the waiver wires for fantasy, for instance, uh, he's, he's really forgotten about right now. And I don't think there's anyone else that can play the slot in place of Christian Kirk. Cliff Kingsbury has mentioned Rondell Moore's name multiple times this offseason as a player they want to get in space and utilize him the same way they did as Kirk. I'm not sure if they actually let him play that exact role and just sending him downfield and throwing him air balls the entire time. But any, 
any amount of snaps over 70% for more would be amazing since he is an elite athlete and genuinely with, with Antoine Wesley banged up, uh, they don't, they don't really have many bodies available either. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to play AJ Green as a, in a full-time role in place of DeAndre Hopkins um, in these first six games. So I'm curious about Rondo Moore's pending injury situation, first of all, but it sounds like he's trending in the right direction. And if so, I think I would be high on his props whenever we get uh, an accurate number across the board. John, are you buying the hype on the Vikings? New coach Kevin O'Connell, we played this interview in with a clip of him, uh, came from the Rams, and he has a relationship with Kirk Cousins. It feels like a lot of the conversation this offseason is Kirk was almost being held back by Mike Zimmer. Now he's with an offensive coach. He's got all those weapons, including Justin Jefferson. Are you buying the hype on Cousins and the Vikings with the new offensive head coach? And I think it only helps that the NFC is so wide open and allows for at least three or four seeds outside of uh, the powerhouses to sneak in. I don't know if this entails the Vikings winning the division over the Packers. Uh, Week one is going to be a good litmus test, even though the Packers may not have either Alan Lazard or Christian Watson and an already questionable wide receivers room. But the Vikings, we know that Kevin O'Connell will bring over the same top five rate in no huddle and three wide receiver sets and a more up-tempo, faster, and aggressive offense. And that's what I'm excited about through the air. Uh, having said that, what it also helps this situation is Dalvin Cook because 27% of his career carries have come from 11 personnel, three wide receiver sets, and he's averaged 5.2 yards per carry from that package. And so if we were getting that package more, not only could we see a career best in efficiency for Dalvin Cook, we could also see a career high in targets knowing they're going to be a more aggressive offense. So, yeah, I, I like this team quite a bit to make noise in the NFC. Give me your favorite, and if you've got two, great. Uh, favorite NFL side week one? Oh, we're still we're still figuring it out, but right now, waiting for numbers to settle. Uh, I believe for week one, right now, I think the Lions are frisky. Um, we talk about home dogs, right? And I think the Lions, just the pass pro they offer, can make noise. I'm curious to see if Jared Goff's better efficiency in his last month whenever he returned from injury carries over into this year with Dan Campbell still likely calling offensive plays. Um, And if there's one time to attack the Eagles, maybe it's them now again trying to figure out their identity after, you know, Jalen Hurts only played a couple drives in his only preseason appearance. And he threw eight times on that drive, went seven of eight, uh, because I think they actually do want to transition into more of a pass-heavy team, not only to see what Jalen Hurts has, since we know they're sitting with those three first- and second-round picks and can easily move on in the offseason, but because, like, in trading for A.J. Brown, this is how the offense is truly not one-dimensional anymore and is unlocked as a, as a clear competitor in the NFC. So I, I think there's question marks, at least, for the Eagles, although their personnel from the top down is better. And so I'm, I'm interested in the Lions plus three. Maybe you can get three-and-a-half out there somewhere. Um, and yeah, that's kind of what I'm at right now. I, I also, I don't think it's the public pick, but I'm interested in the Rams on Thursday. You know, we had this kickoff in 24 hours and we already talked about the Bills cornerback situation. I think that's interesting. I also think just the fact that they did play the Bills, the easiest schedule in the league last year. 
And in their only three tests, you know, they played the Chiefs twice and the Bucks once. And those were the only above-average quarterbacks, of course, but only confident quarterbacks, really, they played. And in those three games, they allowed over five yards to play on defense. And so if, if Ryan's elbow in, or if Stafford's elbow injury is just fine, uh, I do think that the Rams can maybe move the ball quite easily through the air here. So I also like the Rams plus uh, six and a half, I think it is, last time I checked. Great stuff, John. We always appreciate hopping on. We'll check out your work and have you on again soon. John Daigle, 4 for 4, and Spetsberts joining us there on the guest line. Speaking of the Rams, speaking of the Eagles, all these teams for Week 1, let's touch on Survivor. Strategy for the season, strategy for Week 1, strategy for your Survivor contest. We'll hit that next right here on the Beck UL Network. <laughs>